0: Hello again, and welcome back to another great episode of the Per podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo If you have any questions, comments, or just like to reach out to say hello, feel free to introduce yourself. Email me at Rabbi Shlomo with a K at gmail.com, or you can look in the show notes for my email address. I look forward to hearing from you. For this week, we're continuing with... Perek Bays Mishnah, hey, chapter two, Mishnah number five. And we're continuing with the teaching of Hillel. And Hillel is going to give us some very fundamental lessons of how we should conduct ourselves when it comes to interacting with other people, judging other people, and trusting our own self. The mission begins. Hillel Oimer, Hillel says, Altifresh min atzibur, do not separate yourself from the community. Valtamin at baatzmachad yemayischa, and do not believe, do not tamin do not believe in yourself until the day you die. Valtodenes chavercha at she'tigila mekemai, do not judge your fellow until you have reached his place. Valtoymar dovar she'eif shalishmoya she'seifel liishama. It says, don't make a statement that cannot be easily understood on the grounds that it will be understood eventually. Don't say that when I'm free, I'll study. For perhaps you will not become free. So we have different teachings here of Hillel. Number one, don't separate from the community. Number two, Don't trust yourself. Number three, don't judge your friend until you reach his place. Number four, don't say something which is not understood. Don't say something not clear. And number five, don't say that you're only going to learn when you have time because perhaps you will not have time. Now, I wanted to begin tonight with us focusing in on the first statement of Hillel and we'll work our way through the Mishnah one by one to get clarity in every aspect and teaching of the Mishnah and of Hillel. The first idea which Hillel is teaching us, Al Tifroish do not separate from the community. Be part of the group. Don't be the lone ranger. And really, it's very, you know, we see in Judaism this idea. Of being together with with everyone else, being together with the community during times of joy, being together with the community during times of sorrow, to be happy with the community during happy times, to be sad with the community during sad times, and we see that when it you know when the sages tell us about the rebuilding of the Beit Hamikdash, rebuilding of the holy temple, it's brought down that. Anyone who, you know, mourns together with the, who mourns for the temple will eventually merit to see its rebuilding. And whoever does not mourn for the temple will not merit to see its rebuilding. This is the idea that we see um, that a people people need to feel part of what's going on around them. You can't feel that you're separate because we're all connected. You know the example. That they give about the Jewish people is that when the Jewish people accepted the Torah, we said, Na'asev nishma. we will do and we will and we will listen. And the sages compare the Jewish people who accept that, you know, we said, accepted the Torah. Echad echad. We are like one man, not we were like, we are like. One man with one heart. That if a, person you know is all connected we're all connected our all body is all connected to the heart and you can't cut off a person's hand without hurting the other part of the body right person can't say it's like the story with the airplane there was somebody who was digging a hole on a flight and they caught him trying to to make a hole by his seat on the airplane that's flying he said what are you trying to do he's like what do you don't bother me this is my seat I'm allowed to make a hole in my seat. I said, you fool. If you take if you make a hole in your seat, you're going to take the whole airplane down. We're all in it together. And that's the uh, example, that we're all connected to each other. We, we all are, you know, all of the Jewish people are guarantors for each other. And that actually has halachic ramifications. There's ramifications in Jewish law, how that affects each other. That, you know, I have the ability to, to help you fulfill a mitzvah in certain circumstances. If you you don't know if you made a bracha on this apple and I'm about to eat an apple, I could say a bracha and have you in mind and you don't have to make a blessing now. You don't have to make a bracha on that food because I made the blessing. I made that bracha. So we see this concept that we're connected to each other in a very, very deep, deep spiritual way. And it's not just in a spiritual way, it's also in practically, we have to be to care about each other, whether it be financially, whether it be emotionally, whether it be all different parts of our lives, we have to stand together, be together, and help support each other. And really, the idea behind this, why it's so important, is brought out by this example. Rabunah of Pshischa, who's a great Hasidic master, would say that if you take a worn-out coin, Right, it's not common nowadays, right? Because we have currency that is obviously taken out of circulation. You don't see it so often. These old rubbed-out quarters. Once in a while, maybe you'll get it. And really, anyone accepts it as currency. But in the olden days, currency's value would would depreciate if it was worn out, or and sometimes people wouldn't accept the currency if it was too worn out. And even in the Talmud, they talk about it how the different value of rubbed out coin versus a non-rubbed out coin. But Rav Bunim of Pshischa says something very deep and very profound. He says, if you take a worn out coin, you as a person, take that worn out coin and you take it to the the storekeeper and you try to buy something with it, what's going to happen? The storekeeper is going to return it to you and say, I'm sorry, I will not accept this. But if this same individual, this few as a person, you take a whole bag of coins to buy your shopping for the week, and all the rest of the coins are good quality, do you think the storekeeper is going to stop you, he's going to give you back that one coin, or it's going to make its way through with all the rest of the good coins? The answer is it's going to make its way through because it's together with all the good coins. And really, this is this idea we see manifest itself when it comes to davening with a minion. And actually, the Zohar brings down from this Mishnah, we see the importance of davening, of praying with a minion, with a quorum of 10 men. And the the idea that's expressed when we, when we daven together, like what's the, the, the importance of it? Why is it stressed so much? Obviously, there's certain circumstances in Halacha. We see this in Jewish law that a person is exempted from Davening and if a person does not have the ability to daven the minion minyan, they should just daven with themselves. But we do see it stress this idea to daven together with a quorum with 10 men. Obviously, different different tefillos, different prayers are said when we're able to daven together, such as Kaddish, such as Baruch Hu, and this. But the idea itself of just davening together, that's really the most important aspect of the minyan that the minyan can pray the Amidah, the Shmona Esri together. And the, the reason that's given as to why this is so important is because if you, you know, you look at a minion, everyone's davening together. And even though, you know, when I daven by myself, God, heaven is always open for prayers, but it's not so easy for a prayer by itself to break down the doors because we have deficiencies. Maybe we don't concentrate as well as we could concentrate. Maybe we have sins that are holding us back. Maybe... You know, you fill in the blank. But each one of us has different things which we're lacking. So when we daven, sort of like the prayer that we're offering up to God and is in a way lacking. It's not complete. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't daven. We still have to do our obligation to pray, uh, you know, three times a day. That's our part to do. That's what Hashem told us to do. It's not our calculation. Um, you know, if it's better not to daven, God forbid, we need to daven. But the point is that if we have access to a minion, the reason why it's so special is because when we daven together, our our prayer becomes more complete. And what do I mean by that? It means that when I daven, I'm missing something in my prayer. I'm lacking, right? I have certain sins which hold me back. But when, we, when I daven together with 10 other people or more than that, Sorry, or nine other people, right, to complete the minion. So then the guy next to me, he's completing me where I'm lacking. So even though I'm not so good, I didn't have so much concentration. The guy next to me had more concentration and he's helping make up for what I'm lacking. And the guy next to him is fixing up for what the other guy is, he sinned and he's rectifying that part of it. And it comes out that everybody in the minion, everybody in the quorum is helping complete each other so that the prayer that's offered up to Shemayim to heaven is now a more complete prayer. It is more whole. And if a prayer is more whole, it is going to be accepted or there's a better chance that it's going to be accepted. And actually the Talmud brings down in brachos that the prayer of a community together is always accepted. Obviously it could be a different, you know, doesn't mean it's totally accepted, but to a degree it is accepted. And that's the power of praying with a minion. And really you take that idea over to being together with a community, to having unity, to being together with other people that you're not judged as an individual, you're judged as part of the community. And there's a certain protection that you get when you're, you know, with the, the rest of the the flock, right? Who wants to be under an audit by themselves? Right. You ever see in the uh in the World War II movies all these formations, or maybe even fighter jets or bombers, right? When they fly, you look at these old documentaries of World War II, they have the V-shape. Or birds when they fly, right? These the geese, when you see them, they fly in a V. And obviously there's different, I'm sure there's aerodynamic, but I remember hearing about the the, the, the airplanes that when they're together they're more protected from the enemy planes right they're together right and who wants to be by themselves when it comes to judgment I don't so when we're together with the community we're sort of lumping ourselves in with everyone else that we're not looked at as an individual but rather we're looked at as a whole community of a bunch of people so therefore. My friend is going to help make up for what I'm lacking. And we all come together to be something more har- harmonious, more complete. And that's the importance of being together with your community, to be together with with other Jews in as one. And to, you know, I'm going to throw in there in, in this idea as well, the idea of unity to, to it's not just being a part of the community, but it's also having that peace, that shalom, that people get together and they also they can. Have peace with each other as well. And that's one of the important ideas of this mission of being together. Do not separate yourself from the congregation because once a person separates themselves, they are putting themselves at risk of being looked at under the microscope. And nobody wants to do that. So the lesson for us is try to make ourselves together with a community to be with you. And also, there's a side benefit as well from being together with a congregation. Is that it's part of like this social safety net, right? That you know, in, in America there's a social safety net, different government programs that are there to help people, help citizens. So if, if they come across tough times, they won't fall through the cracks and 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 be lost and the families won't be ruined, right? That's that's the idea of these different government programs. But in Judaism, we have something even better. An idea is that's our communal. Social safety, now that it doesn't necessarily mean, obviously, monetarily, that somebody is part of a community, there's a better chance they'll bounce out of something, whether it be a financial challenge. But aside from that as well, there's there's a different part of it that's really more important than the financials. It's about spiritually, that if a person starts slipping spiritually, um, which could happen to anybody, it could happen to me, it could happen to you, and t- people have different ups and downs in life, when someone's part of a bore, they're part of a congregation. It's much less likely that they're going to fall through the cracks completely, and or you know, or at least they're not going to fall through the cracks without someone not noticing that. Someone's going to notice them and try to hopefully reach out to bring them back in to the fold, to not let them slip through the cracks, and to totally be lost. And that's something which is a major benefit that. You know, when you're part of this, you know, community, and part of this congregation, you'll get pulled back into the, the fold of things and God willing, will be able to bounce back. The second teaching of the Mishnah is this idea of Do not, the re, the way it's translated in the art scroll is do not believe in yourself until the day, day you die. So my first question is, what does it mean do not believe in yourself? shouldn't believe in myself i shouldn't have confidence in myself i shouldn't you know have the self esteem i could accomplish in my life what is the mishnah talking about here how do we understand it and the first thing we need to know is that the mishnah is not saying that we shouldn't believe in ourselves and we shouldn't have self confidence rather the mishnah is saying don't don't believe in yourself don't become overconfident in yourself and really how that's understood to mean is that don't come to a point where you're believing in yourself that you could overcome anything and you totally trust in yourself. You're becoming so reliant that you think nothing can phase you. Because we know the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, he does not stop working. He goes 24 7, 365 days a year. From the day we are born till the day that we die. And his goal, the Yetzirah, is to make us commit averos. That we should not get close to Hashem. That we should stumble. We should fall. We should not get up. We should not be happy. That's what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us to succeed. He does not want us to accomplish. He wants us to stay down. And if we know that the Yitzhara is always working to try to get us, so then we have to also know that we are vulnerable. That a person, no matter how how righteous a person can become, no matter how holy a person is, no matter how long their beard is, doesn't make a difference. That as long as someone is living, the Yitzhara is after him. And our job in this world is to overcome that Yitzhahara. But we have to recognize that we are not above the law. We're always within grasp of the Haram And we we could fight him and we, God willing, will win and fight against him. But the first step is recognizing that we are capable of falling. You know, the first second that a person thinks he's not vulnerable to sin, he's not, you know, liable to transgress because the Yitzharam thinks the Yitzharam can't get him, that is a sign that game over. That means the Yitzhara has him so bad, he's going to fall. We have to recognize, that. and we see different stories in in Tanakh, where different great people made mistakes that they they thought they were they knew better, and they they made made mistakes. Obviously, they're great people. You know, one example that's given is King Shlomo Solomon, King Solomon, where he was such a wise person, he felt that obviously even though the torah says do not marry many wives he felt that a person at his level didn't have that prohibition because he understood he wouldn't lose the focus and hashem took it took it away from him that that wisdom to show him that he was incorrect maybe in in his original calculation he he was he his his wisdom was greater that it didn't apply to him but hashem he it still wasn't correct for him to not listen to what the torah said to think that it didn't apply to him. And therefore Hashem took away that extra wisdom and he actually succumbed to, to the he had different problems that came out from the extra wives that he married. That's just one example. But the idea is, is that we should never think that we're above and we, you know, above the law, you know, above the Yitzhahara. Different Another example it's given in the temple, the Yochanan and Gadol, Yochan the high priest was a Kohen Gadol for 80 years. That means every year for 80 years, he would go into the Holy of Holies. And it's brought down in the Talmud that if somebody was not worthy of going into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, they would not come out alive. So he went 80 years of going into the Kodesh Kadashim, the Holy of Holies, and every time he would come out alive. So could you imagine that? He he was probably holier. We can't even imagine how great he was greater than any person in our generation, anything we could think of. And yet, he still, after 80 years, or however old he was at that point, but he was 80 years of being a Kohen Gadol, he went off. He left the path of Hashem. He left the path of, you know, and the Gemara talks about what happened. But the idea is, is that nobody um, can escape the yitzhara. And we have to always know that we have to constantly be on guard against him. Fine, we fall. Fine, you know, sometimes we we make mistakes. We have to know that the fight only ends once a person passes. That's when he stops. But until that point, it's a battle. And obviously, the reason why we have Yitzhahara, it's a separate discussion. But God has given him to us so that we can enjoy the reward that we will rightly deserve when we overcome him that life would be easy, we wouldn't appreciate the challenge, we wouldn't have free will even, because everything would just be so easy. Therefore, He gave us the challenge. Now, our job is to overcome it and we can do it. But the idea is from the mission, we have to remember this and keep it in mind that the day is not over until we pass to the next world. That's when the fight stops. The third teaching of the mission is al-tadnes the that we do not judge a friend till you get to his place. And the sages say that this is that you shouldn't judge somebody till you're in his place. And according to some commentaries, since you can never be in his place, you can never judge him. That's what it means. Since it's impossible for you to have the same circumstances and the same be in the same, you know, place as him, it's impossible for you, a person, to judge another person. And that's an important lesson. It's hard for us, you know. We are constantly making judgment calls. We have to recognize that we don't know the whole story many times. And it's something that we have to keep in mind and remember. The fourth teaching of the Mishnah is Al <speaking in Hebrew> Don't say something on the basis. That even though it will not be understood now, people will figure out what you're saying. Don't be cryptic. A friend of mine always says that when people get into arguments with each other, the reason why they're getting into arguments is not because they're actually disagreeing. It's because there's a breakdown in communication. And and I personally, you know, I've seen this many times. People argue, they're not arguing. It's just that one person is talking here and the other guy's talking over his head. So they're not communicating at all. And therefore, it results in an argument. The first thing we need to know is that we need to be clear when we communicate with people that we we shouldn't be cryptic. We shouldn't assume that people understand what we're talking about. We should be able to communicate clearly with other people. For some people, this is easier. For some people, this is harder. And we have to remember, in order to prevent strife, in order to prevent arguments, be clear. And, and also in regards to Torah teaching as well, we shouldn't just assume that people understand what we're saying from the tidbits that we're giving. We have to give the whole picture, give the background, give everything clear so that people have the whole picture, they're able to understand, and they themselves could also give it over if they want to. So for Torah teachers, this is very important. We're saying over idea of Torah and even, and for us as well, just when we deal with other individuals, people, to be clear, to have clarity, to not be cryptic. So therefore people can fully understand us. And when people fully understand us, we're lessening the chance of us getting into arguments with other people. And the last teaching of the mission is, don't say that when I'm free, I'm study, because maybe you won't be free. There's a concept that concept, says, mitzvah that when the Torah says shamar es ha-matzos, the sages make a uh, derive from this don't pronounce it matzos rather instead of say mitzvos which is spelled the same way pronouncing it a little differently. Shomer es ha-mitzvos, you should watch the mitzvos. And that's understood to mean that sages tell us mitzvah bal that we, we from the fact that it's learned out from matzah from the Prohibition of making chametz bread is matzah is bread that has not risen. We we were quick with the matzah. We make sure it's quick that it has to be made very quickly. That it shouldn't rise. So we say allegorically, referring to mitzvos as well, that a mitzvah comes to your hand. Don't let it become chametz. Don't let it rise. I mean, don't let it sit around to do. Do it right away, and that should be our attitude when it comes to things, specifically when it comes to mitzvos, that. We, when you have an opportunity to do something, to do a mitzvah, to do something spiritual, to learn, don't push it off. Try to do it one right away. Because number one is when you do it right away, it's done. And you don't, you didn't lose it. You have it in in your back pocket. If you wait, you never know what can happen in your day. You know, there's different mitzvahs that we have the Chacham and the Torah, the Torah and the Chacham as well enacted it that we should do it right away in the morning before we eat, before we do other things in order to ensure that the mitzvah is done. Because once our day starts, anything can happen. So when it comes to davening, when it comes to tefillin, putting on tefillin, do it right away. Do it right away. And it's not just tefillin and it's not just um, davening. It's really any mitzvah that we have are always our attitude should be, do it right away. Maybe there are certain circumstances where we have to push things off sometimes, but the ideal attitude in our mind and the first thing in our mind should be doing the mitzvah. Because if we if if we have that as our as our ideal, so even in a situation where we're not able to do it right away, the first moment we get free to do, we be, we'll be able to do the mitzvah. And that should be our attitude. And because you never know if you might not have free time. And specifically over here, when it's referring to Torah study, that... You know, that takes up probably the most time. We should always, we shouldn't push things off as well. People say sometimes, I'll learn, you know, later on in life. And then maybe they will make it to that point in life. You know, the idea is that we have to, every situation that we're in, we have to look at ourselves in the present and try to maximize our day with what we have. Fine, maybe in the future, we could have more time to study. But we have to make sure that right now, we're maximizing the time that we have and using it to the fullest potential setting a time time for torah study every day and god willing hopefully when when we have more time we could do more but right now we should make sure we have at least the minimum of time to study to fulfill the torah and to do the mitzvot and you know what it's not just with torah mitzvot that we should you know procrastinate but in, in general in life it's a good trait to have when it comes to doing things to so do it right away a lot of times Things that we don't want to do, we push off. But when we do them, we feel better about it. that We just did it already. You know, maybe we're not looking for that, forward to that conversation, to that phone call. But when we do it, we feel better. And that's an important lesson that we take from this Mishnah, the power of not procrastinating. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out to say hello, please send me an email at rabbishlomakomwik at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Everyone, have a great day.